0: Welcome to Sex Unshackled. I am Becky Krepsley-Fox and this podcast is where sexuality and spirituality meet. Today on Sex Unshackled I have Lucy Rowett with me. Lucy is a sexologist and intimacy coach who is passionate about helping overthinking women let go of sexual shame, embrace pleasure, and claim the joy of their sexuality. Lucy combines ideas for Taoism, tantra, embodiment, and sex education, and has been quoted in online publications such as Men's Health and Oprah Magazine. Lucy is a wonderful human, I was gonna say wonderful magazine, Lucy's a wonderful human (laughs) (laughs) and I'm super excited
1: (laughs) to have her here with me today. Yay, Yay. thank you Becky, I'm so happy to be here (laughs) and to be recording something with you. (laughs) Yay, me too.
0: Lucy, can you tell the listeners what brought you to the work?
1: Oh god, it's, uh, I get this question so many times and it's like, you know, it's not like you grow up thinking, oh when you're in primary school I want to be a sexologist you know because they don't have a careers day um so there's, there's a long story and a short story I guess a bridge story is that I was on my own healing and recovery path from severe chronic illness as well as growing up in a faith community growing up in evangelical Christianity so I talk a lot about purity culture and as part of my own healing and recovery and then faith deconstruction of course I started to explore my own sexuality um, so I was doing work around that, going to workshops and all the stuff. Um, and then I, as I was building my health and my life back up, it was like, well, if I could do anything with my life, what would I do? Well, I'd love to work with sexuality. Mm-hmm. And I think about it now as like, you know, my mid. I think when we have neurodiversity, we just kind of go for it. Don't. It's like act first, think later, and I have no regrets at all. Um, so I trained with Dr. Patty. Britain and Dr. Robert Dunlap was Sex Coach U. um That was about five years ago. And it's just grown since then. And, you know, I think that's how I got into it. That's how I worked with it. I love networking with sexuality professionals. I'm the kind of person that I, if I'm going to do something, I put everything into it. Mm. So, you know, I I really immersed myself in the world of sexology, sexual health, um, went to all nice and went to all did all the workshops, the events, did all the things and the conferences, and I still love it. Um, and so now it's just, it's not for me, it's not just my work and my career, but it's my passion as well. So it's something I bloody love doing. Mm. Um, and it's weird if I think now it's like, yeah, who would have thought good Christian girl Lucy would have ended up being a sexologist? There you go. Mm.
0: I didn't know that bit about you. I didn't know that you used to be a Christian. That's yeah,
1: yeah, that's surprising yeah. to me. I think it's surprising to everyone. I like to, I like to be the pleasure permission slip giver or to be the naughty yeah. one. I, with my clients, I'm very much about encouraging them to be naughty, naughty with quote marks in terms of helping them to get out of the good girl, to get out of their heads. Um, but yes, I, I was very much a good Christian girl as a teenager. I still have many friends in the faith community. My family all very religious. They're very supportive. Um, but yeah I was um, very involved in it Um, and again I'm the kind of person where it's all or nothing where I really threw myself into it Um, but as anybody who has come out of faith will tell you that faith deconstruction is a long process Mm. Um, so that's why I like talking about purity culture especially in my work and on my in social media as well.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you brought up social media because for the listeners, Lucy is such a great person to follow. And um, she puts on lots of videos and posts about how to normalize these things in which a lot of us struggle with,
1: and yeah. how to kind of put our pleasure first. So it's- Lucy, thank you. A- <laughs> yeah, do follow me on Instagram and on Facebook, and I am on TikTok as well, which ah. is quite fun. We'll yeah, note yeah, on I'm that. I <laughs> yeah, will <me> <laughs> So today
0: we're going to talk about flirting, which kind of goes in nicely with what you've already said about getting people to bring out this almost naughty side and fighting this um, need to feel like we have to be
1: good girls. Um, Can you tell the listeners what flirting is? So I feel like I I want to credit a lot of people when I'm doing this because, um, let me just adjust myself, I'm I'm not the kind of person who is naturally very sexy or alluring. And for a long time, I felt very clumsy. So my attitude to flirting changed around one of my friends and colleagues, Dr. Selina Chris, and also a really good colleague, Kate McKenzie, and also another friend, Peter Heskell. I remember Kate McKenzie saying that flirting is basically it's connecting with people Mm. in a really playful way. So we have this idea that flirting is like, you know, batting your eyelids and licking your lips and being very sexy. If that works for you, that's fine. But if that makes you feel really uncomfortable and, you know, like kind of like Monica from Friends where you're like rubbing a crisp packet against your face <laughs> trying to be sexy. Yes. It is. <laughs> and, and like, I like what Kate said. It's like being playful and connecting with people. That's basically what it is. Um, I remember, I can't remember where I read this, but also flirting is as connection. You can connect with anything like you can flirt with animals so and it sounds really silly but you know if you're in a park and you meet a doll you see oh hello you're so handsome and so pretty and it's about connecting with whatever is and it's that playful connection rather and i think people mis- have this misconception that flirting means i like you and i want to get into bed with you right now so therefore it puts a lot of emotional load on okay i like someone I got to flirt with them Ugh. and then you can end up overthinking self sabotaging
0: yeah it's so true and probably the most flirting I do is with animals now you've said it (laughs) (laughs) I don't flirt with any humans not anymore but with animals they they get that cheeky fun side of me and you know I probably tell my cats a thousand times a day how handsome they are
1: (laughs) (laughs) the thing is so we can flirt we can you can flirt with your partner even if you've been with them for 10 20 years or 10 months um and, you know, if we are kind of going into the territory of long-term relationships or marriages where the desires fizzled out, and your ble- libidos is dropped and you've become more like housemates or co-parents than hot lovers, well, are you flirting with each other? Mm. You know, it's like, you know, the idea that you can still, it doesn't mean you have to always dress up fabulously every day, but can you tell your partner how sexy they look today or how handsome or gorgeous or attractive they look? you know, can you, depending on the boundaries and depending on what they're comfortable with, can you sort of, while they're washing up, come behind them and grab them or have a little cheeky, like a cheeky spank if that is within the boundaries of your relationship or a cheeky, um, I'm going to say a cheeky touch or whatever. You can have that flirting and banter within a long established relationship or marriage.
0: Mm. Yeah, and you've said the word cheeky quite a lot and cheeky is the word that's on my mind as well. It's almost having this playful jokey and also affectionate it's like a combination of all of those aspects yeah and I think as you're saying that is so important in relationships probably the most important in long-term relationships than in any other type of dynamic there could be because yeah quite often especially through COVID when we've been you know trapped in (laughs) our flats and homes with the same person and it becomes very monotonous and it's almost yeah. like what do we talk about we've had dinner together every day for nearly a year and we, neither <laughs> one of us have like left the house what could we talk about <laughs> and it's finding a way to like bring some humor in and some joking and some banter in
1: yeah and I say this as someone you know maybe it's part of my personality and I like to joke I like to banter but it's not just about you know, it's not just about being silly or being whatever. It's I know that humor and flirting and banter it makes life more pleasurable. It and getting into that state of play, whether it's in work and business or whether it's with your partner or whether it's with someone new, it keeps things fresh and it keeps. You know, it's the idea of flirting with life. And this is, in a way, mm-hmm. it's like how can I play with life? How can I flirt with life? Especially if you have felt that like you've gotten into a rut. And your stress and all of the negative news and various lockdown restrictions and and God knows whatever stresses are happening in your life. It's not about, um, you know, going la, 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 everything's wonderful. It's how can I bring more play into the heaviness that's going on right now?
0: I love that. That was said so beautifully. Thank you. (laughs) And I'm thinking about solo people as well, especially people who have lived on their own this pandemic because I know for a lot of people they're excited about going out and seeing people and going back to kind of like an old way but I know another group of people are feeling super anxious and Mm. socially insecure and not sure how to react and be with people anymore and I imagine it's the same for flirting right if you haven't had that connection or that interaction with anyone for you know, it's been a long time. How <laughs> how to like get that confidence back is it, good. You know, me and my husband went out for a night out um, briefly between the lockdowns last year, I think. Yeah, last year we went to a club with a b- bunch of our friends we were kind of all socially distanced outside and we felt so awkward. Even though they were our friends, we like left and we were like, should we go and like get some pizza? Should we just go home? And we were How just do I how thinking. do I people again? <laughs> yeah. It just felt so overwhelming and there was music and people and we were just like, hmm, sitting, kind of sitting on our own in this group of people. So for people who are doing that on their own without the partner, yeah. who haven't even had the interaction
1: of a partner yeah. throughout, I can only imagine how huge this feels. Yeah and especially if that if these people have already struggled with social anxiety anyway it's sort of another layer on top of the existing layer of anxiety and I'm saying this with a light voice it's to try and normalize how many people are experienced how many people are going through this and I was thinking I've seen so many really interesting reels and things on TikTok and Instagram about sort of this comedy of like how do I date again you know it's like you meet someone hello. Shall we fuck now? (laughs) And and it's, I guess, if you can really appreciate how many people are feeling this. And it's really easy with like social media or anything to have this thing of well everyone else is fine, except for me, everyone else must be fine. And I think one thing the pandemic has highlighted is that, you know, behind our screens or behind our, whatever we project outwards, we're all struggling. Mm so I feel like maybe there should be like a support group at every bar or pub like before people enter I know this is really weird I know we're all feeling anxious let's practice being human again let's practice connecting with people again and I say this in a jokey way but also it's needed Mm -hmm. it's almost like we need training to be able to reintegrate and be with humans again because I'm definitely feeling that I sometimes I've been I went to a outdoor dance class a few weeks ago in the woods it was wonderful mm. but I still have this feeling of oh my god people yeah. how do I talk to people what do I do around people again it was so oh really weird
0: yeah
1: yeah and I know for
0: me I tend to go to bed fairly early anyway but um now if the world's, well, the country starts to open up again and people invite me out to nights, I'm like, mm. I'm in bed by 10. <laughs> can, <we, laughs> can we finish? Can we start at 2 p.m. so I can be out? <laughs> I've gone to bed at 10 for the last year and a half. <laughs> it's going to be really hard for me to break that cycle, you know? And do I really want to? Not really.
1: No. And I think, you know, one thing I've realized, and I know that a lot of people are feeling the same, it's like, you know, in many ways, the pandemic's been a sort of, um, A reset button in some way, in that it's made a lot of us think, actually, who do I want to be hanging out with? What do I want to be doing? Because I know for me, it's sort of like I've become, I think I've always been a bit of a homebody. And now it's like, I don't really want to be doing all this stuff and going here, there, and everywhere. I quite like just being simple and being at home. And of course, I want to be with people and I'd like to go to things, events again. But it's this feeling of, actually, what do I want to be doing? I don't know where is that line now
0: yeah yeah I
1: I really get it and I'm just thinking
0: about people who have been trying to date through the pandemic or kind of trying to message Mm. people virtually on tinder and things like that and what I've heard from people is it kind of started to fizzle out so at the beginning of the pandemic there was lots of people messaging sometimes Mm. people were going for walks with each other and then by the end of the year people were just like bored Of messaging because it can only go so far then they have a couple of zooms or facetimes and then that kind of fizzles out and what I've heard from people is now they're just so keen if they meet someone online they're keen to just like meet up we want to meet up straight away we want to see what happens straight away and it's kind of like taken out that almost like foreplay foreplay to meet the person before you like meet them in face to face
1: to be honest I quite I really like this idea (laughs) because a problem with like you know, online dating, like Tinder, Bumble, Hinge, and whatever else, is that a lot of people get stuck in this pattern where we're just messaging and messaging and messaging, and it's not going anywhere. And then you you feel like you are just giving so much of your time and energy to this person or people you're messaging, and it's not going anywhere. And I hear this a lot. And I remember before I met my partner and I was doing online dating, I went through that thing of like, is this gonna go anywhere? And I remember reading a dating book by Matthew Hussey. Um, He's quite well known. And I really took that on board of, well, the purpose, the reason anyone is on a dating site is to meet people. Mm. So why not just meet as soon as you can, rather Mm. than waste, not waste time, but it can be a waste of time and energy to spend a lot of time messaging someone. And then it turns out that this person's being very flaky and they're not very committed. You're going to save yourself a lot of time, energy and heartbreak by let's just meet up. And if they're not up for meeting up, there's your answer. (laughs) Yeah, so true, because texting is exhausting.
0: (laughs) I find it exhausting.
1: I just I mean, it's like, you know, texting and like DMs and social media sites. I mean, I I wonder if I'm guessing you get similar where we get like a certain percentage of horny men texting us or sending us DMs. And I know the kind of formula that it takes now. So usually if I get, you know, I'll often get a DM just saying, hi, or yes. hi, Lucy, hey, hun, and nothing else. And immediately that tells me, yeah, horny guy or time waster. So I just block and delete. Yeah. But for a lot of women and for a lot of people in general, they aren't really used to that. So they're getting these, hi, hi, hun, mm. hi, babe getting their hopes up and spending a lot of time chasing after someone who may not be clear about what they want in the first place and may have different intentions to them for me I'm just like my my take on it is if you can meet up in person do it as soon as you can of course it depends for some people who have a lot of social anxiety or if there is that distance it may not be possible but it if you're really clear about what it is you want in the first place and you feel bold enough to ask for it, you save yourself a lot of heartache. Yeah. And I do get a lot of those
0: messages. And for a while (laughs) I was getting a lot of dick pics and, (laughs) and I was like, this is such a strange trend because if we took the idea that it's on social media out of it, right, it's basically just someone showing me their penis and- Far less people would just be doing that in real life on the street. They're just like, "Hey, look at this!" <laughs> or like, I get loads of messages like, "Can I show you my penis?" I'm like, "No." But if this was real if life, asked. Some of them ask, <laughs> most of them don't, but like in real life, that doesn't happen. Very few no. of those people would come up to me and say, can I show you my penis or just get my penis out? <laughs> and it's like, so why are you doing it online? What's the difference? You know, it's still the same thing. Um, I know. So I did a post about like, do not send me your dick pics. Um, and luckily that's seemed to deter most of them. Um, and I'm glad you brought that in about kind of asking for what you want because I know that you've worked a lot on this, getting people to really realise what they want and how to communicate yeah. this. And yeah. yeah, I'm just wondering if we can talk about that a little bit more. So, why
1: do you think that's important? So, it's, it's it feels like a v- um, <laughs> waffling. It feels like a very simple question, yet it's really hard. What do I want? If we're talking about the context of sex and dating, it's very easy to kind of fall into that. Oh, I'll just kind of go with the flow and see where it goes. But then if you dive deeper, a lot of people struggle to ask for what they want or know what they want in the first place is because they don't feel that they're worthy or believe that they're worthy of wanting or having what they want. So I'm working with my clients, whether it's one to one or in group programs, And we start talking a lot about what you want. Often when they start, it's like, I don't really know what I want. And this has been my own personal process as well. It's often when you don't know what you want, often at the root of it or closer to the root of it is, do you believe that you're worthy of having what you want in the first place? Mm -hmm. And this ties into self-worth and self-belief and and self-esteem. And it's very easy for you know, people like me to say just just tell them what you want or you know be very clear in dating, but it's not always as clear cut as that because what happens is it's these unconscious fears and worries of I don't think I'm worthy of having the, ex- of having the kind of dating or being with the kind of person who I really want to be with. Mm-hmm. So you know we talk about when people chase emotionally unavailable people, there's that unconscious fear that. I'm not worthy of being with someone who is emotionally available and there for me. And you know, if we think about you know, who is your dream partner, it doesn't mean that well if they're not six foot five and this and this and this that that's it, they're out. But do you believe that you're worthy of being with someone who is available and who does want to be with you and does share your values and on a very basic thing that actually wants to meet up with you and is showing you they're interested. And it feels like it's a very low bar and yet a lot of people struggle with this and end up chasing themselves, going around in knots and wondering where they keep attracting unavailable people or running after unavailable people. And it's at its root, do you believe that you're worthy of having what you want? Mm -hmm. And of course, that can bring up a a lot of things like, am I being selfish? Am I being demanding? Am I being grabby or all these other things? And it's something I have to keep doing with myself of what actually do I want? What am I letting myself want? Um, One of my friends had to, a few friends had to reaffirm to me, I'm allowed to have nice things. Like if you're dating, you're allowed to, want to be with someone who you like, who likes you, who you find each other reasonably attractive, that wants to be with you or is interested. You're allowed to have that. And I wonder how differently dating and flirting would be if people could really if they could really know that and embody that, so yeah, it's a big yeah. question about having what you want and asking for what you want. Yeah, and if
0: the listeners are hearing you speak and they're thinking, mm, That's me, I really don't know what I want, is yeah. there a first step you could tell them to think about or to do?
1: Yes, so um, <laughs> I learned this exercise from Adam Wilder, I did a course with him, a group course last year. I can't remember the exact name of the exercise, but I call it like exercising your want muscles. So you can either do it with a partner or just do it with yourself. But think about what you want right now. Like I want a cup of tea. I want a nap. I really want chocolate. And it's I to do it with a partner first of all, where one of you says what you want and the other person says what you want and you don't um, you know, comment or anything. Mm-hmm. And it can be literally anything. So when I first did it, it was when someone said, I really want a spaghetti bolognese in a restaurant. And I thought, damn it, I want that too. (laughs) I want a spaghetti bolognese (laughs) in a restaurant. And I really want to go on holiday right now. Damn it, I want to go on holiday. I want to be by a pool somewhere. And so by practicing that, what do I want? If I could have anything, I I call it exercising your want muscles because you're practicing the idea of allowing yourself to want I really want my hair to look a certain way. I want to, and as you're doing this, notice when you're telling yourself, oh, no, I can't have that, I can't want that. And see where the edge is, especially around nice things or around, you know what? I really want to live in a bigger house or I really want to go away traveling or I really want a cat or I really want a million pounds. Because when you're practicing that wanting, it's not that by saying this, it's immediately going to happen. You're just practicing, allowing yourself to want in the first place. And you may find that the more you do it, I, I say sometimes going for a want walk, where I practice when I'm walking, what do I want right now? I really want the weather to be warmer. Or I really want a dress that is red, or I really want to be in Spain right now. And I follow that and it helps me get more in touch with, well, actually, what do I want in general? Yeah. So this is an idea that Glennon Doyle talks about
0: in her book, Untamed, which is Mm -hmm. um, about how we're like, part of us thinks, well, this is what I want. I want to go to Mm -hmm. Spain. I want to lie on the beach. But then another part of us makes us feel bad about that wanting. Mm -hmm. you know, oh, you've got it good enough. You shouldn't complain. You have a good life. And then the next day we think, oh, I'd really love to go... out to dinner for a restaurant and then another part of you says well you got your shopping from waitrose this week so you really shouldn't (laughs) complain and you know everything's fine and it's like this constant battle of two or more different parts of ourselves that makes us feel guilty especially in england i think makes us feel guilty for wanting things so i'm also wondering if we can circle back around to flirting and if you have any Mm -hmm. advice for people who are either in relationships and they wanna add a bit of this kind of cheeky creative energy. And also for people who are, as we were talking about earlier, maybe going back into the world post pandemic and
1: trying to um, flex that muscle as well. Yeah. So I liked, I I thought I'm crediting a lot of people here. What I loved in the book, I read the book by Matthew Hussey called Get the Guy, which is a few years ago. It's heterosexual based but the principles are pretty much applicable to any gender. And one of them is that if you want to meet more men or meet more people, you need to meet more people. So talk to people, talk to the barista in the coffee shop, talk to the server at Tesco's, um, you know, obviously depending on what feels appropriate for you, but just get in the habit of talking to people again and connecting with people. Can you have a conversation with someone, um, you know, the postman or the postwoman, And by practicing that talking to anyone, you start to build up your muscles again. Mm -hmm. And especially when, because what can happen is if you're in a situation where you see someone and you think, oh my God, they are so hot. And uh, whether it's online or virtual, and you think, I couldn't possibly ever, oh no, 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 no. Mm -hmm. So when you're building up your flirting and social muscles by talking to anyone, by, you know, when you go to the next social, Event, whatever that is, can you just start talking to literally anyone? Mm. And that what that does is it builds up your confidence of talking to people. And especially if it comes to if you see someone you really like and then you feel yourself becoming very awkward, know that this is completely normal, that even the most experienced flirters, quote unquote, will sometimes turn to jelly when they're talking to someone who they think is really hot or really lovely. And can you trust that you can't get it wrong Mm -hmm. how much can you trust that you, you literally cannot get it wrong and if you're really worried about saying something really inappropriate or hurtful can you trust that if that connection is meant to be that you'll be able to repair that so how and give we talk about being kind to yourself it's much easier said than done but can you normalize that everybody is feeling this on some level and everyone is going to be experiencing this I don't know how to people how do I how do I people how do I talk to humans again I don't know my my social muscles have atrophied so knowing that everyone's going to be feeling really awkward right now and knowing that some people are going to be uh, creating some real belters when it comes to flirting mm-hmm. can approach it from a place of playing curiosity this is especially when people are struggling with anxiety or social anxiety or overthinking Where it becomes this thing of, I have to get this absolutely perfect or the world's going to come to an end. Mm -hmm. It's very normal with any kind of anxiety. So can you really spot those thought patterns to say, what if I couldn't get it wrong? What if I'm allowed to get it wrong? What if this is a playful experiment rather than I must deliver the perfect one liner or that's it. I'm going to end up single for the rest of my life and die alone with cats. <laughs> <laughs> and this may sound really cat- catastrophic, but when we start to examine our thought patterns and you know, automatic negative thoughts, this is often the deep fear. The yeah. deep, un- the deep, unconscious, completely irrational fear is that if I get this wrong, I'm going to end up alone. So can you trust that you can't get it wrong? And if you're flirting with your partner, for example, can you trust again that you can't get it wrong? Can you have some more playfulness? So it could be if you really don't know how to play with each other, learn how to play by yourself. Start dancing, start being silly, maybe go to some dance classes or um, try laughter yoga. Anything that brings more joy into your own life first it's really easy in any kind of relationship that we can end up putting all of our happiness and meaning and fulfillment onto our partners. Really normal. And yet when you become aware of that, how can you bring some more play and fun and passion into your own life? Maybe you want to start a hobby or something, start a hobby, start a creative project. Mm. How can you bring more play? And then how can you share that play with your partner? Um, I love this idea of, compliment your partner and tell them how gorgeous they are it may feel a bit awkward at first but I think with compliments especially with our partners I think we can never give enough Mm -hmm. sometimes be be mindful of thinking well they they know I love them of course they know I love them yes but there's no harm in telling them again we I'm the kind of person I need to hear this multiple times a day and your partner may not be that kind of person but can you tell them how attractive you find them, how much you love them, how much you love the way, da, 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 da. Because compliments and affirmations in a relationship, it's like putting it into the bank. You can never give, I say you can never give enough, but it's about not taking your partner for granted. And how can you make them feel more loved and more appreciated? Especially if maybe you've gotten to that point where you're not sure if you find them attractive or maybe your desires fizzled out. Can you start building, boost, affirming them again, affirming to them how attractive you do find them? and Maybe you might find that the attraction starts to build. So I hope these are some of the many tools and tips I can give with starting flirting again. Yeah, that's amazing.
0: And I really love what you say about people catastrophizing because that is what happens to a lot of us in our heads. You know, this mm. Seemingly small thing could turn into such a big event. And it's no wonder so many of us panic and we find this stuff awkward because there is so much pressure. And if we do realize, well, I can't get it wrong, it it doesn't matter. I'm just expressing myself, then it takes that pressure off and allows us to be more free. And it's actually, it's making me, we mentioned friends earlier, it's making me think about the episode. Where Ross and Chandler were attempting to flirt with the um, pizza girl. Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs>
1: There's many gas smells. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and um, I know, and you know, it's funny because we laugh at that episode, and that can bring up a real fear in someone. Like, yeah. How am I going to talk about gas smells with someone? Yeah. Can you maybe? give yourself some humor and laugh at yourself Yeah, and a way of kind of breaking that up, especially as we are navigating being with people again, can you name that awkwardness and say, this is really weird. This is really (laughs) awkward. And I bet the other person will say, Oh God. Yeah. I don't know how to be with people again. (laughs) Maybe you could make a joke out of it and say, how do we talk to each other? How do we human again? Why don't we do something completely off topic? could you play with that and name it and say I feel really awkward and really vulnerable maybe it could provide an opening where you both end up saying yeah this feels really weird i I've, I'm really worried I won't know how to flirt I don't know how to flirt um another part of me is like um I'm sure there are workshops or things where you could play around with terrible flirting <laughs> and you know I like I like improv comedy I like drama I like theater because you can start to play with that what if you know, for example, if you're with a friend, could you try doing terrible flirting with each other? Mm-hmm. And that way it kind of takes some of the fear out of it and brings that playfulness again. Mm-hmm. You know, I like, um, you know, whether you're walking, whether you're with a friend in your own home or a coffee shop or wherever, could you say, let's just practice flirting awfully with each other. Let's do the worst kind of cheesy mm-hmm. flirting and see, so you can have fun with that. Yeah. I think there's an
0: element of being vulnerable, right? So being able to say, oh, I'm, I'm feeling awkward. Oh, what I said just then, that was kind of weird, wasn't it? And things like that. And yes. that is where you bond. That's how the connection yeah. can deepen. Yeah. yeah. Lucy, it's... it's been awesome to have you today. Thanks, I, thank I would you. love to hear what you were just about to say before we
1: round up. I was about to say, it's like Brene Brown about, if everyone quotes Brene Brown, but vulnerability. <laughs> yeah. Vulnerability yeah. is how we bond with people. Yeah. And it's taking away that face and facade where I've got all my shit together. Actually, yeah. this is how we connect with people.
0: Yeah, and it's absolutely terrifying. But this this stuff works. Meeting someone human to human and forming that connection. Yeah, yeah.
1: How can the listeners find you? So uh, there are many ways you can join my mailing list. I have an awesome six-part audio series on sexual communication. Um, you can also follow me on Instagram, which is at Juice and Jasmine. At some point, I need to change it to at Lucy Rowett. <laughs> if you just look on Instagram, Lucy Rowett or Juice and Jasmine, I'm also on Facebook. You can join my free group for women and vulva owners or people either who identify as women, which is the Intimately Empowered Woman. Uh, follow me on TikTok. I think it's Lucy Rowett. I occasionally upload stuff there and I'd love to connect with you yeah sounds great I will post all of that in the
0: show notes please and it's been such a delight to have you here
1: thanks Becky